Good morning, everyone. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 2. Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. I heard a story the other week of a young man, young lad who went up to his preacher and he said, uh, he said, Pastor, he said, uh, when I grow up, I'm going to give you money. And the pastor said to him, well, thank you, that's very kind of you, but what moved you to, uh, to, to want to do that? And he said, well, my dad said you're the poorest preacher that he's ever heard. So hopefully that won't be the case this morning. The Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity we have uh, to come into your house this morning to worship a holy, holy, holy God. To lift up before you praise and honor and glory for you alone, Father, are worthy. We pray, Father, as we look into your word this morning, that you will open it anew. We are able to look at it fresh with new eyes and to hear with new ears, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit may be moving already in, in and amongst us, that we may walk away today looking at the, the, the birth of your son Jesus in the new, with new eyes, to have a new insight, O oh God, on that which Christmas is and not what it has become. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to, uh, to be here today. We lift up Pastor Doug and his family as they're traveling, that you would uh, give, give them traveling mercies, keep them safe as they are gone from us, bring them home safely, O oh God. And Father, as, uh, you know, as I speak this morning, I just pray, Father, there will be no error found in what I have to say, but that it be your words that we would hear, that we would hear from you, not from me. And we'll thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do through it. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, for it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Christmas has become somewhat of a secular day of buying and giving and, and hustle and bustle. 
taking Christ out of Christmas and trying to fill it with things that are uh, uh, materialistic, uh, things that are tradition, uh, things that we know that sometimes they belong and sometimes they don't. There is a wide variety of things that, um, that happen or that we do every year, and sometimes we don't always know the, the, where it comes from or, or where it de- was derived from. Um, so this, this uh, message that I have entitled, What Are You Seeking This Christmas?, came as a pointed thing. I had already had a, a, a message prepared. I was going to start a series as I... Pastor Isaac has in Philippians on heaven, and when I got to preach or to share that with you guys, that's what I was going to do, and this last Saturday, he said, no, we're not doing that. Um, We're going to do something else. So, um, if I'm a little uh, out of sync, that's why. For most of us, Christmas is a very festive celebration. It has been for years and years. Um, It's a time for renewing precious friendship, those who we don't get to see all the time, and Christmas is a time when we get together with family and friends. Uh, It's an opportunity to reminisce about the days gone by, time to overeat with a legitimate excuse. We get together and we tend to eat a lot, especially in our area. We have a lot of good cooks. It's a time when we spend too much, eat too much, and sing too loudly. Christmas can stir up intense and complex feelings, some of them good and some of them painful, uh, some of them pleasurable and some of them not so. And sometimes these feelings can take us by surprise, totally, um, come out of nowhere. As for Christians we who believe in Jesus Christ, when the Christmas is a time of awe and reverence when the wonder of the Christmas story is read from scriptures again and from the gospel accounts for all to hear. Sometimes the very things that makes Christmas the familiarity of family traditions, the songs, the hymns, the ornaments, the gift giving, etc., cause us to overlook the pointed expressions of what should be a meaningful season, a meaningful time in our Christian walk. We have memorized the Bible stories. We've sung the carols. We've we've hung up the lights. We decorated our homes. Uh, We put up the tree. We made Christmas dinner or prepared or have preparations to do so. Um, But when it comes to Christmas, we've done it all. I, I like what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 107:27. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men, and they are at their wits' end. And sometimes in the Christmas season, that's what we feel like. We're running around, doing all kinds of stuff, last-minute things all the time, all the parties and family get-togethers and the, the, the joy, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's sometimes when we get too busy to... Remember what Christmas is all about. It then it then it becomes a problem. Uh, I, I and most of you have heard me say this. When you, we get so busy that we don't know what we're doing, it's Satan that is uh, taking us away from that what God would have for us. Busy is bent under Satan's yoke. 
And I like to keep reminding myself of that because I have a tendency to want to get involved in all the things with grandkids. It's, 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 it's a whole new world out there. Those of you who don't have them yet, just wait. Your time's come and it'll be fun. But it gets us to a point where we're so busy that we forget to reflect on what Christmas is really about. We have the opportunity uh, uh, to re- reattach, get in touch with, with what Christmas is. And yet sometimes, somewhere along the way, we may have lost touch with what the heart of Christmas really is. As we get older, we tend to not to look forward to Christmas as much as we did when we were younger. There's so many things that happen uh, that, uh, around Christmas time that we don't even think about because we're too busy with the commercialization of what Christmas has become. In the Hebrew scriptures, there's over 300 references, 300 prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. I'm not going to read all of them, but I do have a couple examples for you. All of these things that happened, uh, think about this, the chance of them happening and being all fulfilled is totally absurd. 300 prophecies, 300 things that were predicted about Jesus' coming were fulfilled. And every one of them, down to the smallest minute detail, For example, the book of Micah predicted Jesus' birth in Bethlehem about 700 years before it happened. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, those whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Isaiah the prophet Uh, wrote about the the Messiah, that he would be born of a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Jeremiah foretold of a time when because of Jesus' birth, many many infant children uh, would be slaughtered. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15 And this is what the Lord says, a voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. The prophet Hosea revealed that Mary and Joseph would have to go to Egypt to save Jesus. Hosea in 11.1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. There's so many instances in Scripture from the Old Testament through the, the, the prophets, and it happened hundreds of years ago. It was prophesied hundreds of years ago. From the beginning, God had a plan to send his son for us. There are so many things to find at Christmas, so many little details that we tend to overlook because we're, looking at, we're not focusing on what it is. We aren't seeking out the true meaning of what Christmas is. For what you seek after, most likely you will find. If you are seeking after the Christ child, you will find him. If you are seeking after material things, you will find it. We live in a society where it's so easy to fulfill your, your wants that we can just go online and order it and it comes right to the house. We don't even have to leave our homes. 
So if what you are seeking after, most likely you will find. Sometimes we overlook some of the most simplest things at Christmas time, and, and we just take for granted for what they are. Take, for example, the 12 days of Christmas. Now, what in the world do leaping lords, uh, leaping lords, French hens, swimming swans, and especially a partridge who won't come out of a pear tree have to do with Christmas? And yet all the time, we, that is one of the carols that is sung. From the date 1558 until 1829, Roman Catholics in England were not permitted to practice their faith openly. Uh, someone during that era wrote this carol as a catechism for young Catholics. So it has two levels of meaning. The surface meaning, what, what, it, what we generally hear, what we sing, but also uh, a meaning that would only have been known to the members of their church. Each element in the carol has a code for a religious reality which the children could remember and associate with what they were supposed to be practicing of their faith. The partridge in the pear tree represented Jesus Christ. Two turtle doves were the Old and New Testament. Three French hens stood for faith, hope, and love. The four calling birds were the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The five golden rings recalled the Torah, the law, the, five, the first five books of the Old Testament. The six geese laying stood for six days of creation. Seven swans of swimming represented um, sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, contribution, leadership, and mercy. The eight maids milking were eight, the eight beatitudes. The nine ladies dancing were nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The ten lords leaping were the ten commandments. The eleven pipers piping stood for the eleven faithful disciples. And the twelve drummers drumming symbolized the twelve points of the belief of the Apostles' Creed. Now that, there's your history lesson for today. So also... When we take a look at stories in scripture about the coming of Jesus, sometimes we overlook some of the simple things that happen. Uh, we just read the gospel account in, in, in Luke in chapter 2, verse, verses 8 through uh, 20, about the shepherds and what happened with the shepherds. In Luke 2.16, we see that the shepherds found Jesus because they, they, they moved. They went searching for the, the Messiah. They went searching after that which they heard from the angels. Do you ever think about this, that the angels were the first preachers of the gospel? They came to the shepherds to tell them about the joy that was, that was born to them. And that the shepherds were the second preachers of the gospel, for they told everyone about what they had heard. The only people who enjoyed the first Christmas were those who were seeking it. Did you ever think about that? The first folks who enjoyed the first Christmas were those who were seeking it. Later on, we see in the Gospel of Matthew that the wise men came searching for him who was born king of the Jews. They came searching for the king of kings and lord of lords. So what are you going to find this year at Christmas? What are you searching for? What are you looking for? What are you hoping to find this Christmas? Instead of looking for the perfect gift, the last bargain, the newest, best 
best, fastest, latest thing that is out there. What about turning back to focus on what really happened that first Christmas? What about looking for to find the Messiah, the Christ child? God has three gifts for us if we will look for them. And all three tied into the Christmas story. They're free. They don't cost us a thing. But we have to look for them. And, and oh, oh yeah, there, there are more than three. In the account that we read, there are so many more than three. But these are the three that I picked out. Um, but let's look at these three. In, in, in joy, peace, and hope. Joy was found in verse 10 of what we have read. Peace was found in verse 14. And hope is what the shepherds had after they left when they found the babe. Joy, joy, the joy that God's people should have is holy and pure. This joy rises above circumstances and focuses on the very character of God. In other words, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through, you can still have joy. You may not be happy, but you can have joy. The psalmist writes in Psalm 21.1 and 71.23 that joy is in the salvation of the Lord. The joy is in the salvation of the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John in chapter 15. Book of John, chapter 15, beginning with verse 9. Jesus gave us an opportunity that we can look into what this joy, what, what we have in this joy. The Gospel of John, in chapter 15, beginning with verse 9, reading through verse 11. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy will remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This speaks of joy in a relationship with Jesus as he had relationship to the Father. The most visible expression of our relationship with Jesus Christ is joy and love. And you know what? People look at what we do more than what we say. They, they're more apt to follow your example rather than what the words that you speak to them. So if our lives reflect Jesus, if our, our lives reflect the joy and love that Jesus gave to us, that he demonstrated to us. People are going to see that. Jesus wants our joy to be full, it says. An inward hope in spite of outward circumstances. Unlike happiness, which relies on favorable circumstances. The Apostle Paul writes in, in Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now think about this. Even while Paul was in prison... He speaks of joy or rejoicing 16 times in the book of Philippians in four chapters. 
So if we seek joy this Christmas, we can be assured that we will find it. First Thessalonians chapter 5 gives us the assurance of that. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if it is the will of God and we seek it, God promises us there, we will find it. If we are seeking him, if we are seeking the joy that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and and at the birth of Christ, we're going to find it. We're going to find out what that is. The second thing we want to look at in verse 14 of Luke chapter 2 is peace. The angels spoke of peace to the shepherds. The Old Testament meaning of peace was completeness soundness and well-being of the total person it was often thought as being a gift from God obtained by following the law so how much more if you would follow the law and we and failed to do it if we have trust and faith in Jesus Christ will we have more so have peace completeness wholeness Psalm 119 60, verse 65 says peace has physical meaning suggesting security contentment and prosperity the traditional uh, greeting that we walk about on our lips here when we do the walk through Bethlehem of Shalom uh, has a Jewish greeting with a wish for peace, but it also has a, a wish for that every, a significance of that everything is well with you, everything is well with me. Real peace is no matter is knowing that no matter what I do, God will never stop loving me. Real peace is knowing that God will never leave me alone no matter what circumstance I'm in or where I'm at. Real peace is no matter what happens, God is going to give me the strength to handle it. It, it, We're not promised that because we have Jesus Christ in our life that we trusted him as our Lord and Savior that we're going to live on easy street. Exactly, it's exactly the opposite. Jesus told us that because of him, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulation. But real peace is knowing that God is going to be there with us. When we look back after we come through a low valley in our lives, often we look back and and we see one set of footprints. Because that is where Jesus was carrying us. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that Jesus was speaking of is a combination of trust and hope and quiet that quiets the mind and soul. It's the peace that no matter what happens, we know he is still in control. It's the peace of knowing that it is him who has control of what happens. It comes about only through knowing and trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This kind of peace was proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds at his birth. This was the kind of peace that they were speaking of when they came to the shepherds and told them, peace to men on earth. Peace and goodwill to men on earth. The third thing that we can find if we seek after it 
is hope. Hope is not actually mentioned in the story of the shepherds. But they had hope after they left Mary and, 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 and Joseph. They went away rejoicing and praising God for what they had seen. So what did they have hope in? Because they went away rejoicing and praising, they had hope in what they had found, right? Hope is a confident expectancy. In scriptures, the word hope stands for the act of hoping and the thing hoped for. The act of hoping and the thing hoped for. Colossians in chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 Because we heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that springs forth from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The hope that grounds the saints' faith and love carries certain expectations. It's rooted in the promises of the faithful God. From day one, God the Father determined not to shelter his son from the rude, crude realities of life on planet Earth. And I may be dating myself, but how many of you remember Paul Harvey on the radio? I miss Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey told the story of, of, a, of, a, of a man who was a staunch atheist. And it was during the Christmas season, one winter night, his wife and daughter had went to a church service uh, celebrating um, Christmas. It was a Christmas Eve service. And, of course, he stayed home. He didn't want to go. And he was sitting in the dining room uh, looking out the window, and it was snowing. There was a flock of little birds that kept coming to the window and pecking at the window, at the light that was emanating from it. Uh, while he was sitting there, he thought, man, he said, it's cold out, it's, it's snowing, and if I could get them to the barn, they could be in there safe and warm place. So he got dressed up and went outside and tried to corral them or herd them towards the barn. And being the big guy he was, as he went out, the little birds scattered and flew off. He went back into the house and he thought, well, if I lay a trail of cracker crumbs for them, they can follow the trail into the barn and they'll, they'll be in, in shelter. So he came back, went back outside and he laid a trail of cracker crumbs for them to the barn and uh, he, he was waiting for them to come, but they never followed. He went back into the house and sat down at the window and he no more than sat down and they were back at the window pecking at the glass again. And as he was sitting there, he thought, man, how am I going to get these birds into safety? And then it dawned on him, if I could only become one of them, I could, I could tell them to go into the barn to be safe. And then it dawned on him, that was the reason that Jesus came. Jesus came to be one of us. God sent his son down, not to protect him from things that happen in this world, but so that he would be like us, so he would know 
what we go through. He felt loneliness. He felt pain. He felt disappointment. He felt hurt. He felt anguish. He felt despair. Jesus understands what you're going through. He's been there. God didn't send him in the world in the pomp and circumstance of being a king of kings and lord of lords. He didn't send him into the world to be born in a palace. He didn't send him into the world to be a deity and everyone would bow to him. Well, he did. But not in the circumstances that we think of deity. God sent him into the world to be born in a manger. He sent the shepherds to be the first to proclaim the good news that the Messiah was born. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 reads, It's not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. That first Christmas, God poured out his love for us. He gave it all. We have joy and hope. The thing we hope for that one day we will be like Jesus. And John gives us the assurance that one day we will be in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been made known. But what we know, that is, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek that which was lost. He came to seek and to save. Hmm. The miracle of Christmas isn't found on 34th Street. The miracle of Christmas is found in Bethlehem. Jesus says, I offer you forgiveness for your past, peace of mind in the present, and a solid future in eternity. These are the gifts. They're all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So this Christmas, what are you looking for? What are you looking to find? Is this Christmas going to be the same as every other one where we let the secular world determine what our Christmas is, or what we look for? 
Or are we going to put Jesus in the forefront uh, where he belongs? I'm done early. A time for you to reflect. What are you seeking this Christmas? What are you going to find? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know, as the demonstration of love that came before us in Jesus Christ, the birth of your Son, Father, and we know that looming behind the the, the manger was the shadow of the cross. Because of, of him who was born to be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Father, if we trust him with our lives, if we trust in him, who he is, who he says he is, who you say he was, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you, O God, for giving us the opportunity that we can look anew, look afresh at what the Christmas season really is about. We thank you, O God, for the demonstration of that love. We thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity today to look into your word. We praise you, O God, for what you will have for us through it. And we'll thank you in the matchless name of your son, Jesus. Amen.